Welcome to Antitrust Code by Concurrence. Concurrence is the leading antitrust database with over 30,000 articles on competition law. Concurrence is also the largest network of antitrust experts with lawyers, economists, enforcers, and academics in 85 countries. By listening to this podcast, you will learn the fundamentals of competition law and hear about the latest antitrust news thanks to our guests, the best experts in the antitrust world. Welcome to this Antitrust Code Concurrence podcast, where we look at the intersection between competition and digital worlds. Today, we're going to be discussing dynamic competition and potential entry in the digital space. Joining me to give his expertise on that is Professor David Teese, who's from the University of California, Berkeley. Now, let's start off with this question about the digital space, redefining competition, if you like. Competition law has been around for a long time, but the digital disruptor is certainly having an impact. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on this, what you're working on, and what you think people and our audience should be watching out for. Yes, very good question. Well, disruption has been around for a very long time because innovation has been around for a very long time. Uh, we haven't paid as much attention to it, I think, as we should have. And in the context of platforms, uh, this disruption is becoming a lot more amplified. But the phenomenon has been there for quite some time. Uh, certainly in business studies, if not in economics, uh, there's a long recognition that uh, incumbent firms can get wiped out overnight by new entrants. Um, you know, the bias in traditional industrial organization is a new entrant has a hard time against the incumbent. And to some extent, in some circumstances, that's still true. But the opposite is also true. The new entrant can utterly destroy the incumbent. Uh, and this is, of course, what Schumpeter was writing about over 100 years ago. Well, let's talk about um, market spaces and defining what makes a market space, because we have incumbents in certain areas, but a lot of the new disruptors are also disrupting what we think of as a market space. Tell me why that matters, how it matters, and what needs to be done about it. Yes, well, of course, our traditional notion of markets as the arena of competition, uh, I think, has to be modified. Of course, markets still matter. But I think the concept of a relevant market, which has really guided antitrust for a long time, uh, is a little bit out of date uh, for today's world. By that, I mean that the horizontal competition, lateral competition, vertical competition sort of all come together. It's one big blur today in the pursuit of economic gain. And uh, I think it's time, therefore, to think in new ways about the arena of competition. And in fact, I favor focusing on ecosystems, uh, because that is the nature of a lot of competition that's happening today. It's uh, competing for economic rents or economic gains inside an ecosystem. I think that's a much more useful way to think about the world of platforms. Otherwise, you're constantly confused as to whether what the relevant market is, and is it uh, uh, a vertical merger? Is it a conglomerate merger? Uh, there's uh, uh, the mechanical tools, the, the, the tools of the past, the tools of the industrial age are not fit for purpose for the digital age. Tell me, in your view then, building on this idea of ecosystems, who would define the ecosystems? Do they still need parameters or who would 
police them or, or, or manage them? That's, uh, you know, a very good question once more. And uh, I, I think I, I like to think in terms of what I call ecosystem managers or ecosystem captains. There's usually a platform um, that has a critical role. Um, and that platform can have various degrees of openness and closed uh, uh, and uh, various hybrid structures as well. But, but yes, the, the focal firm is the ecosystem manager. And in my view, one way to look at competition policy is to ask, uh, is the uh, focal firm doing a, a good job of managing that ecosystem? And when I say a good job, uh, is competition thriving? Is innovation thriving? And uh, that doesn't mean that... Uh, uh, everything uh, should be possible. It does mean that there should be a curated experience that benefits the consumer and the user. So the lens through which we look, I think, should be the ecosystem. We should look not only within the ecosystem, but across ecosystems. I think that's a much more meaningful way to, to do antitrust analysis with the question in mind uh, of, well, how robust is this ecosystem? That, that is a good proxy for how competitive it is. And is it thriving? Is it growing? Is it delivering consumer benefits? Uh, that's the notion of um, you know, competitive effects. Uh, is, is the competitive effect to improve the experience of the ecosystem or not? Um, so I think with that small orientation, um, you know, antitrust policy or competition policy can proceed in a much more sensible way. Well, what about when we have the situation, as we've seen in a recent big Google case here in Europe, where the platform competes with its own customers uh, and the question of data and access to data? This is something that the EU is currently really grappling with, with a, a series of, of proposals on digital markets and, and, and data management. So what do you think about that? Do you think there are some of these companies that need to be looked at closer? Well, um, I think Europe needs to be looked at closer, uh, and Europeans need to ask the question, why don't we have any big digital firms in Europe? Uh, because you've choked off entrepreneurship and uh, business growth, and uh, you don't get out of that problem by, by regulating and trying to turn big tech into utilities. You just compound the problem, in my view. So uh, there is a big incentive for companies to collect and uh, curate uh, customer behavioral data, and it's very valuable. Uh, but the notion that it should be open and licensable, uh, first of all, goes completely against the notion of privacy. Uh, and secondly, it would cripple the forward innovation, in my view. Yes, there may be some beneficiaries, uh, but if the orientation is the overall economic welfare of consumers and of society, then it's not clear that there's a net benefit uh, from that kind of regulation. In fact, I think it would probably retard innovation and put Europe behind. I nevertheless understand uh, that, that there is this issue, and, and I think it does require that the managers of the ecosystem, if you will, and behave in, in, a, in a responsible and proper fashion. But the notion that you can uh, unbundle it like uh, was attempted in telecom and expect to get net benefits, I think, is uh, foolhardy. 
I think you're referring there, I think, to our, the, the proposed Digital Markets Act and the Data Governance Act, both of which we haven't seen a final text on yet. So it's still a little bit in flux. But comparing with telecoms, the EU argument is always that unmitigated, un, unrestrained mergers, if you like, in the US haven't necessarily resulted in better consumer experience. Well, I think the, the jury's still out. You know, I know there are these theories about killer acquisitions and so forth, which come from the pharmaceutical industry. You know, I've spent a lot of time developing this concept of dynamic capabilities and firms that have strong dynamic capabilities, you know, need to figure out what are the various assets that need to be orchestrated to create the best experience for the consumer. Sometimes our assets inside the company, sometimes our assets outside the company. I think we need a new way to think about these acquisitions. And I haven't seen much in the way of uh, new learning on, on that. And, and a lot of the uh, stories and narratives about acquisitions being harmful, I think are very problematic. People haven't thought long and hard enough about innovation. If you put innovation first, uh, mergers and acquisitions can often assist innovation. I admit that there's a possibility that it could be the opposite. And that's where you've got to look at the whole ecosystem health and ask the question, do these acquisitions benefit the overall health of the ecosystem? Is the company that's being acquired still, are those capabilities still available or is it being shut down? In the pharmaceutical industry, the paradigm that people were seeing was that the new entrant or the acquired firm was purchased and then shut down. That's typically not what happens in big tech. So there's a lot of very casual statements uh, and mudslinging going on without the kind of careful analysis that's required uh, if, in fact, you want to produce better public policy outcomes. Well, one of the key terms that we see popping up here in Europe at the moment regarding the efforts to tackle this space is so-called gatekeepers. Now, because we've, we've talked a lot about consumers, so we maybe have to talk about gatekeepers to consumers, but what about the question of gatekeepers in the digital space to new entrants? Because we want to talk about new entrants today. What would you say to a startup or, or a wannabe startup? Well, there is a role for gatekeepers. And, you know, Apple definitely plays that role with respect to its ecosystem. And that's one reason why we want to buy an iPhone is because there are gatekeepers. So the notion of a gatekeeper shouldn't be thought of as negatively. It's fundamentally positive. The question is, you know, does the gatekeeper sort of overstep the limits in some fashion? Uh, and these are very complicated questions and, and they should be looked at closely. But I, th I think you do see new entry and the notion that sort of network effects is so strong that no one has a shot at overturning the status quo. Yeah, I don't think that's true because I think the ecosystems certainly compete vigorously with each other and they have the capacity to do that. You know, a, a tiny entrant sometimes can't grow to become an advertising giant, but in a few occasions they can. So I just think we have to look at this with fresh eyes uh, and I don't see much of that going on. Can I ask you, since you mentioned advertising, what your perception is of the behavioral advertising model and how that, if you like, infringes or adds to different marketplaces in terms of data acquisition? Well, there's, there's no doubt that uh, 
you know, customers, including myself, enjoy a lot of free services such as search. Um, and, uh, you know, the penalty you have to pay is to put up with advertising. My view of the world is it should be choices. If people want to pay for search and forget about advertising or insulate themselves from it, uh, those options should be available. So I would hope that over time that the degree of optionality to the consumer is increased so that we can get the experiences we're really looking for. We've talked a good bit about what the EU is attempting to do, what your views are on those attempts. Um, I would like to hear your predictions and what you think will actually happen and then uh, have a look in your crystal ball and then perhaps as a wrap-up, we'll hear what you think will you would like to happen. Yes, well, um, predicting politics is always hazardous, but, but I, I would predict as people get closer and closer to the issues, they're going to find them more and more complicated and that the superficial explanations, uh, you know, such as this is just the railroads in the 19th century and uh, this is the oil monopolies of, uh, you know, 150 years ago, uh, there's something very different going on. Uh, it's what I call broad spectrum competition. It's dynamic competition. And uh, I, I'm willing to predict that as uh, legislators and others get closer to these issues, they're going to back off to some extent. But there will be, um, you know, some form of regulation, quite sure of that. But I also think the companies need to take a greater responsibility to actually help the world understand the marketplaces in which they compete. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a burden here on, on, if you will, on both sides to to deepen public understanding and to to try and craft through voluntary measures or regulation, you know, better outcomes for everybody. I'm not saying there's no role for regulation, there clearly is, but a lot of the initial proposals, I think, are very superficial. And I would hope that, um, you know, more granular approaches that are more sensible can finally be uh, agreed upon and enacted. Well, I think uh, we certainly haven't seen the end of the debate and uh, we know how the the legal sausages made here in Brussels, and it does tend to change quite a lot from beginning to end. So a final final question then, uh, is there any particular phrase you'd like to hear retired in this debate? For example, personally, I would love to never hear that data is the new oil again. Is there anything you would like for us to stop talking about? No, some uh, barriers to entry, I think, is a, a overworn concept. I mean, in the field of strategic management, we talk about isolating mechanisms. These are firm level factors that prevent or slow down entry or make entry difficult. The notion of entry barrier uh, is an industry level concept. It's a little bit tired. I think the word I want to hear used a lot more is dynamic competition. Implicitly, without saying it, the agencies have been in favor of what I call static competition. How can I give the consumer, you know, a two cent price break? That is such a narrow and unfortunate way to frame competition policy. So I'm very much a Schumpeterian. Uh, I think the most powerful form of competition is that which is driven by innovation. Uh, I think the agencies pay way too much attention to how competition affects innovation and way too little attention to how innovation affects competition. So it's not so much words that I want to see go, it's old, tired, worn out ideas that are 100 years old from the industrial age that are really not very applicable 
to the digital age. Well, thank you very much for that, uh, Professor Teese. We will do our best to honour your wishes in our forthcoming podcasts. So please, to our audience, do stay with us for future Antitrust Code podcasts brought to you by Concurrence. You listened to an episode of Antitrust Code by Concurrence. If you want to read more about this topic, check the Concurrence website where you can find all relevant articles. Follow us on Twitter at Competition Laws and join the Concurrence Group on LinkedIn to receive updates on our next podcast.